This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. I had to, I had to bounce back after last night. Uh, you know, Mo and I, and I'm sure many others in this room are fans of uh, the greatest, perhaps, football for, uh, team in the entire world, which is Ohio State. It was, uh, it was a rough night last night. It didn't feel like New Year's. It felt like the same old story as an Ohio State fan. So, tough loss. I was sitting on the couch for, I don't know, 10 minutes. Sammy will tell you. I just sat on the, uh, the little chase lounge part, staring directly at the wall wondering if God, what he told me about 23 is actually going to happen. And then I realized I got to get my head back in the game. I've got to preach in the morning and God's still good, even if our field goal kicker missed it. So again, my name's Eric and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Yesterday, Sammy and I, before that game, before the morning and the ashes, and we put, you know, we got in sackcloth the whole nine after the game. But before that happened, we were recollect, we were like kind of just going through pictures. I mean, it was a jam-packed 22. And one year ago, to, uh, one year ago yesterday, Mo, if you remember this, we, we packed up our whole life in Ohio, put everything in the back of the truck and pulled into Spring Hill, Tennessee for the first time. And Mo, uh, Mo and the team and crew, they came over and Darren and Shannon came over and, uh, and some, other, some other people that became great friends, they came over and we unloaded this truck, and, and one year ago today, I woke up for the first time in Middle Tennessee as a resident, and reflecting back on the last 365 days has filled me with so much gratitude, because God called us to move here, and we weren't sure what was going to happen or what would come of it, and he called us to serve you, to serve your families, and to, to, help, to help this church, and to serve this church, and so I just wanted to thank you for being so easy to love. We've had the greatest year of our lives. And so I'm just so, I honestly can't tell you how much conduit me, means to me and, and how this last year has been. So I'm super thankful for that. About uh, three or four months ago, we had, some, we had a, a little staff uh, men's retreat. Uh, and what we did was we went out to Hickman County. How, be, how many of y'all been to Hickman County? Not very many of y'all, okay? But when you go out to Hickman County, it's a bunch of back roads, a bunch of dirt roads. It's wonderful. And you can, you can do whatever you want out there. There's literally, I don't even think the wall works there. So we went out on this like staff retreat and we jumped in these ATVs, these like side-by-sides, which are as much fun as you could possibly have on earth, I'm convinced. They are so fun. So we got in these and you can see Mo and I I always joke that, um, that I, I could never get away with a crime because of my beard. You could see, if, even if I had a full face mask, you'd be able to identify me. But Mo and I are riding, you know, side by side. And we had a lot of fun. And we were going through these, these back roads in Hickman County, and we had, our, we had our guy who was leading the group, and Mo and I were in the second car. And so the guy that's leading the group is a good old boy. This guy is a character. I mean, he is, he is filled with hilarious stories. Like 
He knows the whole history of Hickman County. He's like the only person that knows it. He's telling every bit, this what this building was, and this is where this happened. And we start going through the history, and we start hearing some of the nefarious parts of Hickman County. What happened there was a lot of moonshine may or may not have been created. And a lot of that moonshine may or may not have been sold there at a general store. We passed all these things. Well, following him into the back roads, once we got away from any sign of people at all, he gets on the radio. And here's what he says. He goes, he goes, boys, we got the law behind us and we're loaded to the gills with moonshine. We got to go. Now he says this right as we get to a part of the back roads called Roller Coaster Road. Okay, here's why it's called Roller Coaster Road. On the side of the road, no guardrails, because why would you need that when you're on top of a mountain or a cliff? And when you walk over to the edge, he's like, that's 1,100 foot drop. Oh, wonderful. This is where he just takes off like he's actually running from the law. And Mo and I are in the very second car. And so we're trying to keep up with a professional ATV driver who is in the front. And how many of y'all been on dirt roads before? Everyone except for the Californians. Okay. I'm kidding, Californians. I love you so much. You're, you're Tennesseans now, and anytime you want to go to Hickman County, I'm in. So, uh, but dirt roads, when you, and, and, Darren and Darren knows this, anybody who's been to Uganda, you know this, it's all dirt roads pretty much. So when you're on a dirt road, what happens? The dirt kicks up. It goes everywhere. It goes in your nose, in your throat, in your eyes. You cannot see through dirt. Did you know that? And so as this guy takes off, all the dirt, the dust, we're going through creeks, the water, it's all splashing up and it's blocking our view. I think at one point I looked at Mo and I said, Mo, it's time to drive by faith, not by sight. <laughs> and, and so we, we were pressing in 55, 60 miles an hour and going through these tight turns with no guardrails, right? It was so reckless. But the only way we stayed on the road, the only way we could see where we were actually going was the taillights in front of us, right? Because through the, the fog and the, the blurriness and the dirt, you could still see those two little red dots in front of you of our, uh, our, our lead driver, and so we figured out that if you focus on the taillights, you can stay on the road, right? So if the taillights went right, you went right. If you went left, you went to heaven. That's how it works. <laughs> so we focused on the lights in front of us. And you know, life can be that way. Maybe 2022 was like that for you. Maybe it was a difficult year, right? Maybe like the things you thought were going to happen didn't happen. Uh, the things you thought you had clarity on they weren't so clear, a little blurrier than you wanted, a little more dirt in the air than you were hoping for. Jesus knew that life would be that way. He understood that life was going to have trouble and tribulation and, and difficult things. And he knew that culture and, and other factors would make seeing clearly a problem, right? And so I love, I love what he says in John 8, 12, and I love this verse because this is the first verse my daughter ever memorized. So it was the most cute thing. I've got a video of it. I didn't bring it in, but it's the most adorable thing. But he said this when, when he's speaking to the people. He said, I'm the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's good news, and that's God's word. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that in 2023, the very first thing we get to do is come to your house, hear your word, and be with your people, and do what we were created to do. We love you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Jesus here, he says, I'm the light of the world. Now, in this parable about driving a side-by-side, let's say that Jesus is the driver, okay? He's driving in front of us, and we are following his taillights. We're following the, the radiance of what's behind him. He's left us with a couple of taillights so that when life gets difficult and blurry and, and we lose vision, we can just simply follow those taillights. One of the taillights that he has left us is the great commandment. The people were asking him, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I know exactly what you're thinking right now. This is the most elementary verse. We learned this in Bible school. I get it. But you know what else we know? We know the speed limit, don't we? We all know the speed limit. How many of y'all drove, drove the speed limit this morning? Huh? Tell me the truth. You did. Like three of us drove the speed limit. I, I sped here. I go seven or eight over every time, everywhere. I can't help it. It's part of my life. It's part of who I am. But y'all didn't drive the speed limit. You know the speed limit, but you didn't do it. And, and my point is, because the thing is, like, guys, I know that getting here early is valuable. All right? That's why you, you pick it up a little bit. When you get here early, you get the nice spots. Okay? I have to park in the field in the neighbor's farm. I don't even have a reason to speed. I just did it. But the point is this, that knowing isn't doing. Knowing doesn't equate to doing, right? Knowing is not the same as doing. We can know the truth and still live a lie. And so Jesus here, he's, he's giving us this commandment to follow. He's giving us this commandment to follow. He's giving us this, this, this light that we can always, when things get blurry and it gets confusing, and you know, if you move at a, at a high rate of speed, everything gets blurry on the side of the road too. But he's giving us something to really focus in on. And what I can tell you is this. I don't know if this will be true for you, but it's true for me. When, when I think about a new year, I always come in and I'm like, man, I just want to love God more. Anybody do that? Like, I just want to love God more. I, want, I really want to like, love God over myself. And it's difficult to love God over you. It's, it's difficult to, to love God over your selfish ambition or your goals or your family or whatever you love. That's difficult to do, right? It's something that I find myself on New Year's always trying to pursue that. I'm pursuing it again. This year, guess what? I had a conversation with God. I'm like, God, I just want to love you more. I, I want to love you purely. I'm pursuing that, right? And what I figured out in my pursuit of that year after year, month after month, is that that pursuit is so much more practical than it is profound. 
It's so much more practical than profound. I know we all want it to be profound. We want revelation. We want like blow my mind with something that's just like, so I can go, oh, but it's so much more practical. And the early church, like the first century church, they understood that loving God, like following the great commandment was very practical. They were devoted to four things that helped them do it. And we can find those in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that helped them live out the great commandment. You ever wake up in the middle of the night and walk up the stairs and come up just a little bit short? And that big toe goes right into the, the flat piece of wood and it bends in a, in a way it wasn't created to bend? Did... Yes. Hurts, doesn't it? Did you cuss? You're not going to tell me. Just like the speed limit. But it hurts, you know? And you, you know they created those little tiny lights that go up your steps now? Isn't it amazing what that does for walking up the steps in the middle of the night? Isn't it amazing how a couple of tiny lights going up the steps make you a little bit more holy? It's incredible. I love what God's word says. It says in Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I've taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. The early church, they needed the word of God. They had to have it. They relied on it. They were devoted to it. They had, they had false teachers like Nicolaitans and, and other groups going around saying things that weren't true. They had persecution. They were living in dark times. They needed the word of God to light up their path. And they didn't even have social media. Today, we've got social media. We've got pastors, pastors, who can go online and for $35 become ordained. And then they can jump on TikTok and start making videos and go viral. And so they weren't even facing the false teachers that we are today with the, the heretical teaching that we're seeing. And maybe you're not on social media. Maybe you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't seen these TikTok videos come into my reels or come onto Instagram or Facebook. I don't know what you're talking about. One of these guys that makes videos like this is a local Nashville pastor. And I thought that it was my duty to sit down with him and with Caleb Baldry this week and just film some of his unbiblical advice. And I know that's controversial, and I know that maybe some of you are uncomfortable right now with this kind of um, accountability. But I'm not afraid to face the truth, and I'm not afraid to, to get these people and expose them for who they are. So I want to show you just right here in our own backyard church, a local excommunicated mega pastor who's making videos full of unbiblical advice. Take a look. I like to come in an hour early before the worship and practice my prayer hands. And I'll kind of lay hands on the chairs. Um, I can't hit every chair, so sometimes I'll kind of run through the sanctuary and, and just assume, God knows, I'm trying to hit every chair. One of the problems I have with churches today 
is how bad the communion bread is. Um, it's just bad. You know, a lot of people go, hey, Bishop, can I follow you? And, and I say, no, follow your heart. Because that way, if you end up in a ditch, it's not my fault. <laughs> We're all familiar with Eugene Peterson, right? Wrote the message. Bravo, but guess what? I don't have time to read a whole Bible in a year. So what I've worked on, it's called the memo. And it's really short, it's nine pages. One of the pages is real simple. It's just a scratch and sniff page where you can actually smell the cedars of Lebanon and what it's like to be back there. That's I mean, who's doing stuff like that? No one. You need to let go and let God. Let God let go of you. So instead of let go and let God, let's let God let go of you. A door closes, God opens a window. But you know what he does before that? He'll slam your fingers in that window. And that's actually a good thing because that reminds you who opened the window. Does that make sense? Let me just give you a few things. Money's the root of all evil. God won't give you more than you can handle. And God loves you when you don't love you. That's actually true. Some people will say, hey, Bishop, you got to know the context of the biblical times before you. And what I'll say to them is I go, well, how do you know what the context is? Then they say, look, let me show you in the scripture. And then I'll go, I don't read scripture. And they'll say, why? And I say, because I don't want to take it out of context. If I could give you one piece of advice, ask yourself this question. What would Judas do? And don't do that. <laughs> And you know, Todd Bishop's actually in the room. Todd, would you stand up? I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't know you'd be here today. And I still, are we still on for coffee? Okay. So thanks so much to Mike Akel and Caleb Baldry. They partnered with us and made this video this week. And we, we had a lot of fun. And um, it's funny because it's true, right? It's funny because it touched everything. All good comedy touches on truth. Like, it's a little... It's always like, a, there's always truth in it. And so this is funny because this is actually happening. Um, let me give you an actual example, right? A not funny example. There's a, a pastor, a pastor, a TikTok pastor, as I referenced, named Brandon Robertson. And he says, uh, Jesus isn't the only way to salvation. How'd he come up with that idea? Maybe he's a genius. No? Um, he said, well, God is omnipresent. God is all-knowing and all-powerful, and he's and he's so large that there couldn't only be one way to him. So he takes this universal approach, this universalism approach. He's got a big problem, though, and it's the fact that Jesus disagrees. That's a big problem. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Jesus said he was the door into the kingdom of God. Jesus said that there's one mediator between God and man, and it's Christ Jesus. So there's a lot of problems that Brandon has, and we're seeing this in our culture the enemy that we face is the author of confusion. Think about it. Everything that he's ever touched, he's made confusing. In the Garden of Eden, what did he do to Eve? He took the word of God and he twisted it and he made it mean something. He takes the fact that the sky is blue and he says, no, 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 that's not what God was saying. He's saying, uh, you know, what, what makes up the color blue? Red and what? 
I don't know. Who's a color person? Yellow and green. Yellow and green. He's saying yellow's the pro, you know, yellow's really like the platform and green is the one that turns it into blue. So the sky's not actually blue, it's actually green. This is what the enemy does. So he says, God didn't surely say that to you, Eve. He didn't say, that's not what he meant. He knew that you'd be like him. And that's why he didn't want you to do that. He didn't want you to be like God. He didn't want you to know. And so he takes something that God says and he turns it into something nefarious. Think about Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus in the wilderness, he's facing temptation for 40 days. What happens? The devil comes and he says, I'll jump off the rock, you know, turn this to bread. And Jesus responds and shuts him down. But he always takes the word of God out of context. Today, we are seeing this take place. But I love what the word of God says in Psalm 119, 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The gospel is simple. God, it, Jesus used simple men to change the entire world. Jesus used the simplicity of that to confound the wise men of the world. All the men who were learned, who were well-spoken and articulate, he turned their brains into mush. That's what he did with fishermen. There was a doctor. Let's give him credit, okay? And Matthew, who I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't say is autistic, but that's for another conversation. But Ma Matthew, the tax collector, you know, who was probably pretty intelligent as well. So you've got a couple of it, but 10, 10 of those guys were pretty simple. And he changed the whole world with 10 simple men. And he uses it, he uses simplicity to confound the wise. And Jesus in the wilderness responds to Satan with the word of God. He responds with the word of God because he was devoted to it. He knew it. He knew it like the back of his hand. He knew exactly what it said and what it meant and the context. And he was ready to respond to a lie with the truth. And I love what Ephesians 6, 7 calls the word of God. It calls the word of God a sword. And Revelation paints a picture of Jesus' triumphant return. And in that triumphant return, out of his mouth is a double-edged sword. It's his word. It's that powerful. It lights up darkness. It's incredible. And that's why the early church needs it, and so do we. And so I believe in 2023, God's calling us to return back to his word, to be devoted to his word, to pick up our swords and start. You know, have you, have you ever watched kung fu movies? If you find yourself in a kung fu battle out of nowhere, because that happens, it could be at the mall, some ninjas show up. It's, that's how it happens in the movies. They drop out of the balconies. If that happens to you and you have a sword and you leave it sitting on the ground, that's on you. That's your fault. Okay? Because a sword sitting on the ground is useless. The same with a Bible that's dusty on a shelf. It's useless. God is calling us to pick up our swords and start swinging again. Amen? Yeah! Ha! 
You like that? You didn't even know we could do sound effects at Conduit, but we can. <laughs> Speaking of Asia, we just gave away 3,000 Bibles on your behalf. <laughs> okay, the next thing the church was devoted to was fellowship and the breaking of bread. There was a couple of psychologists, their name was Baumeister and Leary. They wrote a groundbreaking paper in 1995. And the paper was called The Need to Belong. Only took them 3,600 years after Genesis 2 was written where it says, it's not good for man to be alone. 3,600, guys, give them a hand. (laughs) Proud of you, Baumeister and Leary, you did it. We're so proud of you. You know, our uh, our first circle meeting for the young adults, we tackled this idea. And here's the idea. We've been fed a big, fat lie. Western individualism is horrible for us. Have you got, like, it's absolutely the opposite of what our souls need. Do you understand? Like, God made us to be together, but Western individualism, this whole concept says, no, no, you need to be elite. You need to be hard to reach. You need to be well-followed. You need to be um, self-made. That's not what God's called us to do. He says we need to belong. We need to belong to each other. We need to belong to him. We need to love each other. We need to die to ourselves. It's the absolute opposite. And I would argue this, that this Western individualism model has created the loneliest people to ever exist. These, our, our friends, our family, our, the people who are not connected in a local body are so lonely. And you know what they're figuring out? They're figuring out that followers are not friends. They're so connected digitally and disconnected in the real world. You cannot call a follower in the middle of the night when you need help with an emergency. You cannot do it. You need actual people. I know people are saying, how many people of you are? I'm more of a dog person, you know? I'm not like a people person. Or, you know, I love Jesus, I just don't like his people. Or, those things don't work. And you may be wondering, what in the world does this have to do with the great commandment? And I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad, because we're going to look at 1 John 4.20. It says this, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. That's what it says. I didn't write it. For whoever does not love their brother and sister who they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also what? Love their brother and sister. You cannot love God and not love his people. Those two things cannot coexist. You have to love his people. That's why we need to be devoted to fellowship. And they were devoted to the breaking of bread. And the term in Greek is also seen in the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, it's referred to as both communion and it's referred to as just having dinner. And so I don't know which one it is. It could be both. It could be, it's definitely one of them and it could be both. But here's what the early church did. They did what was called an agape feast, a love feast. And what they did was a lot of times they would have dinner and they would follow dinner with communion. I don't have any framework to point you towards here, but what I can tell you is this. 
If you're going to have dinner with each other, make the meal matter. Make it matter. Bring Jesus to the table. That's the point of breaking bread. The last thing they were committed to, they were devoted to, was prayer. Prayer. There was a pastor here in Franklin, Tennessee named E.M. Bounds. How many of you heard of E.M. Bounds? Rich history here in Franklin, Tennessee. If you're a history person, this is a good name to look up and see what he did. He's a Civil War era uh, pastor who basically saw that Nashville was filled with sin and debauchery, but there was a Christian remnant in Franklin, Tennessee, and he said, I'm going to come here and I'm going to pastor a church, and I'm going to oversee the Christian remnant. And he had nine children, and he wrote nine books on prayer. If that's a coincidence, then I'll be shocked. But he wrote nine books on prayer. He was known as a pastor that focused on prayer. And one of the, one of the most profound things I think he said is, is this. He said, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be, the mightier the forces against evil. And here's how I say it. Prayer is one of the most dangerous things that we can do to the enemy. Not praying is one of the most dangerous things we can do to ourselves. I don't know about y'all. Have you ever been to a place where you only had prayer? Sammy and I have, where we had nothing but prayer. It was prayer of death. We've been there. And, w- and when you have been to that place, you find out just how powerful prayer is. It's the most powerful thing that we can do. This is why on Sundays, you see our prayer team up here ready to pray for you. This is why on Mondays, our intercessor prayer team is meeting in a room somewhere, and they are praying for you. They're praying for us. They're praying for this church and the needs that we have. This is why we're doing 21 days of fasting and prayer, because it's the most powerful response that we have. Period. They were devoted to prayer. The early church had to be devoted to prayer. They were facing persecution. They were facing tribulation. They were facing all sorts of problems, and they had to rely on prayer to survive. And I know that we all like to enter these new years, 2023. We want to we set our goals. We want to lay out our ambition. We want to come up with our new strategy and all the things we're going to accomplish this year that we didn't do last year. And we're pedal to the floor. But I believe in 2023, God's calling us to put our knees to the floor more. That his house would be called, as Mo said, Mo said a house of prayer. We're supposed to be marked by prayer. And have you noticed? It seems to be the thing we never have time for. Have you noticed? It's the one thing that somehow we can't fit into the schedule. Is that because we're lazy? Is that because we're not diligent? Or is that, uh, is that an, a purposeful attack from the enemy? is that because that's the thing he fears the very most is that we would call an airstrike. I think that it's because he fears prayer. And so he wants to keep us distracted with anything that keeps us from prayer. But this year, we're going to be a church that returns to the devotion of prayer. And it's going to change the world. That's the crazy thing is, it's going to change the whole world. The outcome of the early church being devoted to these four things was tangible. You couldn't miss it. It says that they were, uh, they, they were all experiencing a sense of awe. 
Now think about this. A year ago, we moved here. We walked into this church. The reason why I wanted to partner with Conduit was because the very first day I stepped in, I had a sense of awe. I breathed in the pneuma from God in this place. How many of you relate with that? I knew the Lord was here and that he was doing something, and I wanted to be a part of it. There was a sense of awe about how he was utilizing this body of believers. It was incredible. That's what it starts out with right after Acts 2.42. And then it says that wonders and signs took place. I can tell you that we've been praying more. And as we've prayed more, we've run into people in the lobby and we've laid hands on them. And we've prayed for people on stage and laid hands on them. And with no gimmicks and no, nothing else, the Lord has healed their bodies. That's happened. We've seen it. Okay? So pr- these wonders and signs took place. Then the next thing it says, they were bringing all of their, everything, they were selling their possessions, bringing it all into the storehouse, and no one had any needs. And what I've seen in this church in the last year is I've seen you bring into the storehouse, and then you've allowed us the privilege of representing you in the nations. And we found people in different places all over the map who were believers who had desperate need and we were able to meet those needs because of how you gave. That's true. And so it's still happening today. And the last one I wanna focus on, it's this. It says that the Lord added to them day by day those being saved. Who added? The Lord added It doesn't say that their brilliant leadership sat out on a crusade mission to Walmart. It doesn't say that. It says that they were doing the devotional things of following God. And the outcome was the Lord added to them day by day those being saved. And I want to say the second taillight that we follow is the Great Commission. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, not converts, disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Disciples obey everything he's commanded them. And surely I am with you always to the very end. What I want to suggest this morning is this, church. This model is not broken. Amen. Amen. It's just not broken. It works. It's been working for 2,000 years. I've seen all the new models. They're not as good as this, okay? We've reviewed them. We've looked at all the paperwork. They're just not as good as Acts 2.42. This is why we have 2.42 groups. This is why we do what we do. And this is, if you're a conduit, this is such a marker of our church. But this model works. And I was just in Asia a few weeks ago, and I saw the proof, and I, I want to share this video with you that shows it. Jesus said he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach deliverance to the oppressed, and to set free the captives. I mean, think about it. He paid a debt off for us that we could have never paid off. What happens here is amazing. For 16 hours a day, families make bricks. They've fallen into hard times and whatever it is, it could be pregnancy, some sort of sickness, a hospital visit, they have to borrow money 
so that they can pay those bills. And their exchanges, they come make bricks until it's paid off. The problem is that they never pay it off. The debt just grows and grows and grows. No amount of hard work, diligence, or effort is gonna pay this debt off. This debt can never be paid off by work alone. They need intervention. They need someone to help. And I can tell you what happens if no one helps. Nothing changes. But let me tell you what happens if we do help. Children go from slaves to students. Parents, they go from, from bondage to business owners. And we, we get to be more like our Messiah. I was talking to my friend and he told me that they don't even have a word for hope here. But it turns out that the word for hope here is Jesus. खुदावंत का रूप मुझ पर है इसलिए कि उसने मुझे गरीबों को खुशखबरी देने के लिए मस्सा किया है उसने मुझे भेजा है कि कैदियों को रिहाई और अंधों को बिनाई पाने की खबर सुनाऊं कुचले हुओं को आजाद करूं आमीन आमीन थैंक यू डॉग Caleb Baldry, who, who went to Asia with me and, and filmed that and edited it, it tells the story of what you did last year. It tells the story of who you are, Conduit. And the outcome of Acts 2.42 is the Great Commission. And what we're seeing here, it, the outcome of, of Conduit Church being devoted, we've, we've, seen, um, we've seen schools get planted. We've seen uh, water wells. We've seen... A hundred and you want to put that slide on there for me. A hundred and sixty-four families get freed from slavery. Last year, twenty-five hundred people in a war-torn nation get emergency rations. Eight hundred and forty kids were given an education that that wouldn't have been able to get educated in schools that you built, and eighty teachers were hired and given jobs that didn't exist all because a church was dedicated and and was 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 devoted to Acts 2:42 and gathering and doing what God's called us to do. And what I want to say this morning is this. Our prayer team's going to be up front. We're going back to the old way. Like sometimes revelations in reverse, right? Like we're going back to the way it used to be. These things work. Our prayer team's going to be up front. Maybe 22 was a difficult year. Maybe 21 was as well. Everybody had a bad 2020, so let's start at 21. But maybe those were bad years for you. Maybe you had some sort of sin or something handcuffing you all year last year. Don't let that come into this new year with you. Don't leave here the same as you came in. Because if it's a new year and you do the same old thing and you expect different results... It's not going to work. And I want you to not be ashamed. I, we need to be uh, vulnerable and open about our need for prayer. I need prayer. I need help. I need Jesus. And so if you need something from God, I want you to come up and get prayer. We're going to be up here ready to pray for you. And, and listen, if you don't know Jesus and you're in this room this morning, it is not an accident. 
it is not an accident. God is calling your name. Come up, and we want to pray with you. And guess what? We're going to be here discipling you for the next several years, ready to do it. And so as this, as this gets set up, we've got momentum coming into this year, church. I want you to understand that. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. We are ready to kick the door down. I'm telling you this. We are, you may think, wow, this is incredible. I'm telling you this, we're just getting started. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing through this body of believers, glorifying yourself. Lord, I just give you praise and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.